Hello and welcome back to Music Works. Today we bring you something a bit different. This is an episode of a podcast that I recorded with my friend and business partner Kieran Schiffris as part of a series of podcasts about music education called Limitless Music Making. We're now bringing this to you on Music Works. In this episode, Kieran and I interviewed Liza Austin Strange, the founder of Fosbrook's Folk Education Trust. Liza is responsible for setting up this unique music education project in Stockport near Manchester in the UK. Many of the programme students have gone on to leading in music performance and teaching careers and there is no one better place to talk about educating young people in music to a high standard than Liza. I hope you enjoy this episode and before we move over to that, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union. It's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK and it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry. As well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post-Brexit, the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance, and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at the MU.org. Okay, so hi, I'm Kieran Schiffris, a professional folk musician, believe it or not, who currently works with Catherine Tickell and something, something, something about strumming and blowing instruments. Uh, and with me today is the fantastic Katie Beardsworth. <laughs> Hi, I'm Katie Beardsworth. I'm a music entrepreneur um, and producer. Um, and yeah, here on our episode of this podcast. And um, today our guest is Liza Austin Strange. Welcome, Liza. Thank you very much. Liza Austin Strange. I'm a folk animateur and I run the Fosbrooks in Stockport. What's the uh, first question up, Liza, is what's an animateur? Uh, somebody who engineers things for people. It appears to engineers things for people so i organize oh. things and make things happen oh I like animating i suppose i like oh, that. all right yeah nice people who make things happen are very important <laughs> um so just to start things off uh my wife my wife is uh a a, a, a product of liza's uh <laughs> machinations and animations um, because Liza heads up the uh, amazingly, uh, uh, amazingly effective uh, youth music program called the Fosbrooks. Um, uh, could you let us know what age range uh, your your girls and boys are? Ah. Right. Well, Fosbrooks used to have children from seven upwards, and this is because they entered the junior school where I was a teacher. Now, I always had a few slightly younger ones, like Amy was a bit slightly younger, I think. Um, but quite often it was because there were siblings of those already involved or those with parents who were keen to involve them. Um, and then the age range extends because the members are able to carry on to uh, their music learning programme after moving to senior school and college because I run a music service at Banks Lane so they can continue with the lessons and attend the rehearsals for the groups. So and we, we have a sort of ongoing thing where they, they can also 
keep up links with university. Um, when they travelled away, this was more difficult. Um, mm. Although it was wonderful when lots of them went off to the uh, the Newcastle folk degree course, but yeah. uh, quite a few of them recently have, have uh, cut their losses and and not gone away from home and gone to university in Manchester. So I'm mm -hmm. pleased that so many of them were able to take advantage of coming back to help and uh, uh, so on. Uh, but I did lose a lot to Newcastle. They go and they don't come back. But they got work up there, so that's the great thing. So, <laughs> so lots of ages. I always, I always say, sort of about six to twenty-six. Yeah, sort of fly, flying, uh, flying the nest a little bit at the end there. I know Amy. I know Amy talks about the sad day she had to return her costume. We were talking about that the other day. Yes, it was a momentous day. It's a, it's amazing because it's such a huge age range, uh, and uh, Amy was describing that there's a um, a really neat system whereby the younger ones actually get helped out by the older ones. A lot of the time they do. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's um, any substitute for, for, for proper music teaching. But I do think if you take another person off and teach them to play a tune, it helps you to understand what you're doing. So it increases your understanding of, of, um, of the, the music that you're playing. So there is quite a lot of peer teaching goes on. It, it wouldn't function really without the peer teaching. So. Do you reckon? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask: Is that something that uh, you organise um, and sort of think and pair people off together, or does that happen naturally between the people who are, are involved? Um, I have a, a system called a trainee system, whereby able young musicians um, work with with groups, um, and that was initiated by um, a grant that we had a long time ago from from um, Youth Music. And we had one trainee, and then we had two, and then we had five, and then we had ten. And uh, it's it's not really functioning terribly well at the moment because of the pandemic. We're we're all mm. work, working together at the moment, at socially distanced outside. Um, but but we're managing, we're managing. But it's very much a part of what we do. This this peer teaching. Wonderful. Wonderful. Sounds like it really benefits everyone involved, doesn't it? Yes, it certainly does. It, it's quite folky in spirit isn't it because uh w when you're into the the old folk music there you're always sort of looking for the next tune and who you're going to learn it off and maybe you learn it at a session maybe you learn it um off a cd but it's amazing that that, that, that those kids have got access to other kids their own age I, I can't imagine what it must be like for those kids to go be you know someone at their own school an older kid at their own school and that I must stress, if uh, it, it's not immediately obvious, this is only one school. And if you haven't seen the Fosbrooks, just type in Fosbrooks on YouTube and you'll see a wonderful array of um, around 30 or so-ish, 20 to 30 kids playing accordion and fiddle and clog dancing and doing everything while looking nonchalant is the is the correct word for it almost as if they're quite good at this and they're not trying <laughs> that's it there are about 30 usually on a, on a performance um depending on depending on the event 
um, if it's a community event at home then we involve as many as possible so in the old days before the pandemic you would have a, a, a community performance with with uh, 60 70 children involved in but if we're off on a on a trip abroad it would be more like 2025 so yeah amy amy tells me about these trips and uh, i went camping with her parents the other day and the mums and dads get involved as well um absolutely yes jackie and paul were a great help yeah they were they were, they were talking very fondly of uh, various adventures one was uh, involved driving over a bridge but probably best left <laughs> it was one of the other mums trying to drive a van over a bridge apparently it was a very narrow bridge and she wasn't a confident driver but <laughs> I remember. So there was no kids involved in that story <laughs> no, no one harmed in the, uh... <laughs> hey. in the story i was uh talking to amy about this yesterday as well liza and she mentioned that you um that you, your trips included to the uh, the royal albert hall Yes, we've, we've been two or three times to the Royal Albert Hall. In fact, we've appeared at most of the major concert halls in, in Great Britain. But uh, the thing the children look forward to more than anything are their trips abroad. Yeah. They, like yeah. to go, they like to go to the festivals abroad. That's such a wonderful experience, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. To, to experience the culture as well as, as well as the performances. And you're wonderfully well looked after with decent sound checks and good stages and... Yeah, very good indeed. Sounds pretty enviable. <laughs> the uh, the life of a professional adult musician. You don't always get any of those things, do you? Probably will come to a, a, a halt now because of Brexit. So uh, mm. travelling abroad is going to be very difficult. Yeah, so it's a, just a new reality we're going to have to face. And certainly as a as a working musician it's the same for everyone no one no one really knows what's going to happen i mean the covid thing is covering a lot of stuff up isn't it but let's not go down that route we can do later on but we've got so much to talk about with it with the fosbrooks um i'd like to know uh what kind of level the kids are at when when you said that they said you said they were young they can start young but do they all do they start young and without a clue on on an instrument or is it a case of you have to be able to play soldier's joy or something no you don't have to be able to play soldier's joy most children start with no experience at all of playing an instrument and we have a big instrument bank so we loan instruments out to anybody who's interested as well as clogs so that they can dance and we've always catered for absolute beginners as well as students who are pretty able musicians so, uh, and I do most of the induction work myself, so I'm, I'm well placed for that. Because uh, another thing you might not know, Ke, is that um, as far as I know, Liza, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that you do this out of a love for doing it. You're not, you don't get paid to do this. You're a regular teacher who just loves to do it. Well, I was a regular teacher. I've retired now because of the pandemic, but I've always done it just... It's, it's a voluntary organisation, and all the adults who work, like Jackie and Paul, who work in the organisation, do it because of the love of it and because their children are involved. Um, the only people who do get paid are my, my music staff because I run a music service. That's interesting. So so describe a little bit about the, the music staff you, you, were, you were saying there. Well, I have, I have uh, violin teachers and I've had accordion teachers over the years and we have a lot of piano teaching goes on. 
because I, th I think although the traditional music side of it is very strong, it, there's no substitute for, for good sound teaching. So I do, I do have uh, um, lessons and the children could, could come back from senior school and college and continue with their lessons and do their classical grades and uh, theory, theory, theory classes and things like that as well. So. So we've obviously got this folk-focused youth dance group, which is obviously very strong. Uh, but you reckon that, um, or you have found that using m more genres like classical, and you didn't say jazz, but is jazz a, a, a thing that people do? Or A, a little bit. We have some jazz influences and in, in, in traditional influences in the piano playing in the backing parts. And my, my husband's a jazz musician. He plays with the band. Um but um, but mainly it's the it's the traditional music. But you don't really get the techniques for um, the traditional music unless you have good sound lessons alongside that. And do you mean the, the sound lessons with with specialists in in folk music? What you're saying? There? Not necessarily. No. I mean, I've always employed um, uh, violin teachers who teach classical music alongside the traditional music for them to get the techniques. Uh, we have Murray Granger teaching accordion for us, um, and, and again, with lo lots of piano teachers, but a lot of people do piano as a second study. So, mm -hmm. uh, Amy will tell you what she she probably had lessons with David Usher all the way through. Um, may have been, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. <laughs> Can I ask a question um, about? Um, learning to read music in in amongst all of this because this is a conversation kieran and i have been having about um about yeah I know. Ooh, saucy well what can i say um <laughs> i'm just curious about um about the role that that plays in in the way that your uh, your students and the members of fosbrooks are learning they all learn to read music and and at the school i teach at they learn to read music at school as well because they, they all play the piano at school, um, or they did when I was teaching there. I, I recently, recently finished, but happy days, one of my students has taken over from me. So the, the system will continue at Banks Lane, so that's good. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So you, so you would actually, so how did you go about teaching them to read music? You said they were actually taught in lessons. Now... So there's obviously young, the young ones there. So they will have had sight. They will have had sort of music reading from that age. Yes, absolutely. From the age of seven. I mean, I have a, a whiteboard in the classroom, and uh, and and sets of books as well. Um, and yes, they all they all learn to read music as well as doing it by ear. Um, sometimes with some children, it's it's more appropriate to do do things differently. Um, by ear, you know, it's the same with reading and maths. Uh, you find the right approach for the child and what works for them. So, and obviously, we've got a range of children because we've got a, a, a diverse sort of a area that's working. Mm, absolutely. So, it's having access to all those uh, different tools and way of doing things and working out what's best for the child. That's that's great to hear. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. When when you teach when you teach a, a tune for an arrangement. Do you supply them all? I I actually have this. Look, hang on, wait, 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 wait. Ready? <laughs> Can you see that? So I'm just I'm holding up the Fosbrooks uh, nineteen tunes for nineteen ninety seven. Uh, 
I don't know where I've got this, but it does say Amy Thatcher on the front. I'm sure there'll be a few of those knocking about at my house as well. <laughs> anybody who's been in the Fosbrooks will have a little one of those somewhere. But uh, no, the tunes are taught by ear at the Fosbrooks, but it, it, they do need to be able to read as well. Um, particularly when you're getting into arrangements. And we had Michael Turner working with us for a while, and Murray, and, uh, and that Murray Granger. And, it, and it, it's, it's vital that if they're doing an arrangement that, it, that everything isn't taught by ear for that, um, they would need to be able to read a score as well. So it's sort of, it's sort of like a backup. You've got a backup there, haven't you? You teach them by... Yeah. Teach them by ear, yes, because that's, that's, the, that's the fun, the social way of doing it, but, but they need to have the backup as well. Also, because otherwise um, they can't move out into any, any other sort of uh, music world, can they? And how is it received by the kids in general? Um, is it something that feels, feels difficult or, um, you know, have they already got the bug for, for doing things really, you know, for learning new things and so they're, they're keen? It's a game with children. It's just a game, and the harder you make it, the probably the more they like it. <laughs> the harder you make it, the more they like it. The more they like it. The more you challenge them, the more they like it. But I also think that repetition has a very big part of it. Um, I expect all the children in the Fosbrooks to play all the levels of music um, to support the younger ones. So if we're playing as a big band, they will be playing at the beginning of the Saturday session the music with the with the younger ones so that the younger ones feel that they're really um part of it right right from the word go that's wonderful i'm literally writing down the more you challenge them the more they like it because i just think that is so not how kids are treated a lot in a in a lot of things that they do certainly it's my i mean my son's four and hasn't gone to school yet so i haven't um you know got much to back this up in a school setting but I certainly find that it tends to be all about measuring against certain criteria and if they can do that then that's that ticked off you know rather than um this individualist approach of looking at what uh, you know sort of trying things out and allowing the challenge to be fun I don't know if you'd agree with that <laughs> Um, I, I do. I, th I think there's lots of levels to doing things. That, that repetition's important, but challenge is important as well. So, um, and, and, and it, there's nothing more delightful than to watch children um, working at something that they're gradually beginning to understand. Um, I can think of two two children in particular. Sarah Davenport, who's still a big a big noise in my organisation. She's a, she's a teacher herself now, but. Um, uh, and her friend Ellen, and they just they just loved to learn new things. They learned the violin, they learned the accordion, they learned the piano, they learned the cycle of fifths, they learned all the all the theory bits that made it make make it into a game. It, it needs to be made into a game so that they understand it. So how would you make it into a game? How would you make uh, one of those things there, either fiddle, learning fiddle or learning piano or the cycle of fifths? How would you make that into a game or? Well, you learn, you learn different tunes and that helps you to understand the cycle of fifths and, and if you play the accordion, it's all on your left-hand side of your bass, so... I feel like the accordion is a cheat instrument. It's it's one of those instruments that if you learn to play accordion, it's secretly very, very good for lots and lots of different things. If you learn to play a lowly instrument like flute, like me, you only listen, learn about melody, but with accordion, you've got 
melody and harmony and just a really neat way of setting chords out on your other hand. It's a great instrument, the accordion, it really is. As, as Amy will have demonstrated to you on, on many occasions. <laughs> but Amy, to, to learn the accordion like she did, she did get to grade eight piano as well. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of yeah. a, a lot of similarities with the piano as well, isn't there, in, in classical music teaching it's a lot easier if you can play the piano as well to kind of it's got that sort of all-roundness you'll always get lots of people on the traditional scene who read the treble clef very well and struggle with mm. the bass clef mm. if they're flautists or, or violinists i feel attacked i feel personally attacked <laughs> <laughs> in my professional career i have not had one person come up to me and say we've got a big job for you on bass <laughs> On bass cliff, mate. <laughs> it's a lot of money on the line, Kieran. <laughs> I'm not at all familiar with um, the area that you're based in, which is Banks Lane School in Stockport. Um, can you tell us a bit about about the area and about the background of the children that are part of the school and part of Fosbrooks? Right. Okay. I, 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 the housing varies. We've got a lot of uh, housing housing association estates. We've got flats. But there's bigger and more affluent homes and the area gradually has become more multicultural and I'm really pleased about this I'm delighted that we've become so ethnically diverse um, it's it's not it, it's hard sometimes to reach out to some of the different cultures in the in the community because they have their ways of doing things but because we're a we're a Christian school we have carol services and harvest festivals and things um, and, and we make it as accessible as possible. We ask everybody to come along because it's, they're coming to see their children perform, sing, dance and so on. And, and because it's what we do in, in this country. Um, it's, it's our heritage and our, our culture. So, so we do invite everybody to come along. And on, on the whole, they do. We have readers from different religions. And uh, um, Fosbrooks has a, has, a, has a mixture of, of, of hardworking children. So. Brilliant. And um, so, are there any are there any um, challenges involved in in um, ethnic diversity? I know it's fantastic to hear that it's it's becoming more diverse. We've managed to try and make sure that that we're we're a very accessible organisation, and that anybody who wants to join can join and is made welcome. And although we sing uh, a lot of um, uh, traditional um, like anthems and psalms and things like that we don't sing them because we're religious and they know that we sing them because mm -hmm. um, because uh, it's part of our culture in this country so I often think that um, I think that the way you're talking about making music together is, is completely inclusive in its in its nature by the sounds of it yeah well it's actually quite an interesting question when you talk about different different cultures being a part of Stockport's sort of makeup these days because Fosbrooks uh, is named after uh, now I feel like I'm going to get lynched if I get this wrong is it the Fosbrook brothers who were dancers? Absolutely yes they were Fosbrook brothers and they were Street Morrises in the 1890s now after the First World War in the 1920s there weren't enough men to do this so men trained girls teams and a girl from the 1920s team was the grandparent of children at my school when I ran the country dancing there and she offered to come in and teach us the stockport dance 
um, and, and that's where it's sort of all come out of that they learnt the stockport dance, they also learnt step dancing and mm. I, I'm very keen for the children to understand that Lancashire and Cheshire clog dancing should be our style and the local tunes are precious and I have to say my favourite, our, our local music is, is very unique um, the three two hornpipes are my own particular favourite and the northern frisk tune which you'll have heard Amy play is still my favourite tune from our repertoire but the name does come from from um, uh, the, the Fosbrook uh, brothers Jack and Jess who danced in the 1890s and uh, so we took our name from that. Yeah I got chills I love hearing about that it's like a there's a there's a couple of different things in that For, like I love a, I love an unbroken tradition um very keen on those F from getting my mind blown open when i came up to newcastle one of the evil people who went to newcastle and stayed there liza sorry about that uh my own daughter's up there <laughs> your daughter lives not too far just a couple of doors down i was brought up in birmingham and uh was never really exposed to any traditional music from where i grew up for me, Birmingham was a heavy metal town, uh, sort of, you know, not 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 entirely ironically, you know, it was a sort of manufacturing town and Black Sabbath would have you believe that uh, that's where the sound of their music came from is the factories. Uh, so that was my, that was my folk, unbroken folk tradition. But when I when I came up to here, they had these like weird shaped pipes called Northumbrian small pipes, and I was like Northumbrian small pipes. I thought they were big and led armies or something, or Braveheart or something. Um, but no, turns out that they can trace their lineage back to uh, well, I don't know how far. Ask the Antiquaries Society in Newcastle. Uh, I think the manuscript, the oldest manuscript there is 1700s but i think you know that's just when they decided to start collecting things um and i think in particular your style of tune there that you're talking about three twos they're a particularly old form aren't they they, they were for they, they were popular before the kind of 1800s is that right? Great tunes for walking and marching to. They're, they're, they're very strong tunes, the three twos. Um, and I love them. I think they're the best part. And we've gone to places, uh, and to festivals all over, and people say, what is that that you're playing? Because it's so it's so unique. I mean, they do play them anywhere where there's pipes as well. Up in like in, in your neck of the woods up there, you have, mm -hmm. you have three two horn pipes as well. But we have some very strong Lancashire horn pipes. And they're, they're difficult to play. They're quite challenging. And, and so the students like them. Uh, English music tends to be quite easy, um, but, but they like the Lancashire horn pipes are difficult to play, so. The, the, the amazing thing is, with, with Fosbrooks, it's, it's music, but it's dancing, and the two aren't really separated. And it's such a strong pairing, that the more you, the more, when you hear interesting tunes, interesting folk tunes, when when I'm researching for my repertoire or whatever, you always find like really weird ways of playing a tune, and you and you have to look into why is this tune swung like this, and it's always because it's a certain type of dance with a certain type of step, and the step dictates the way the tune's played. Yeah, 
true. So, Katie, maybe with our youth music project that we're going to try and create, how would we incorporate dance? It's interesting because when I was uh, um, studying um, for my classical music degree, when we were learning about um, early music styles, so like um, 16th, 17th century uh, music styles, we would often um, be taught a a dance step like a pavan or something like that so as to to kind of understand and really get into the the feel of the music. And um, it was also a way that it was explained to us, for instance, something like the difference between um, the time signatures 2-4 and 4-4, which effectively are are very similar and the only real difference is all about how it actually feels um and like the uh, the the mood that it creates so there's some slight tempo things but really it's just all about the feel and it's very difficult to explain that without actually feeling it in your body so um that that same technique was used it's quite gratifying to hear that actually i didn't realize that you did that kind yeah. of yeah i teach a lot of um young teenagers in particular singing and they tend to have had no musical training before and the only way I can teach them rhythm is through walking or stepping or you know feeling certain rhythms in the feet and the body even clapping can be it's just not used to um if you see what I mean so yeah it's definitely a technique that works across genres I, I think it's really important. I mean, going back to the work I do in school and the music reading, everybody learns that a crotchet is a walk note, and, mm. and then you've got stride notes and you've got running notes, and, and it's all linked to movement. Um, and there is no way, actually, that you, you can learn to play, say, say a French bore. You couldn't learn to play a French bore without actually doing a bore. Yeah, and to me it feels like the real difference between, you know, when you watch a performer, a professional performer, and they absolutely just have the music in their bodies, and it's it's one of those really electric performances that um, that is a step above, and you can't really quantify what it is, and it's often to do with, to do with exactly that, um, having that real full body sense of what, what they're actually doing, and, and why the rhythms are like that, and why the tempo is like that, and, um, and everything, in my opinion. Right. Okay. So we've talked about Liza. We have talked about your kids learning to read music, how hard they have to work to get real satisfaction, enjoyment out of it. We've talked about them learning all sorts of different instruments. We've talked about them being engaged with their culture and heritage. We've talked about them bringing the new ethnographic whatever demographic together you know with all the different um, religions uh, and banks lane being christian school didn't know that um so there's there's all these amazing things so over right tough question what do you think and it might not be a, a you might not be able to answer it in just a straight one question but what do you think musically inspires the or, or not musically but musically related dancingly related i know we just talked about what do you think inspires them the most being with their friends doing things with their friends it's been so hard for them the last 16 months because they've not we we've been on google meet every friday night we've had band rehearsals and i say put your cameras on and we we all say hello and and whatnot but it's just not the same They need to be with their friends and they're doing things with their friends. And if you ask them why they do it, and if you ask kids in orchestras why they do it as well, they go to meet other people. That's the important thing. I think so anyway. Do you? 
Yeah, I, I drove uh, two and a half hours just to go to a session yesterday because it was the first session I'd ever been to in, in Rothbury just to meet my friends. And it's not the same <laughs> on Zoom, is it? It's not the same. No. Is it... Do you think that the fact that Fosbrooks is is situated within a school and the, I haven't actually asked you this, but that I think I'm right in thinking that the children that are involved in it and the people that are involved in it go to the school as well. Is that right? Well, they, um, do you, they start off at the school and then they, obviously they leave when they're yeah, and, then, and, then, and then come back in the evening on Saturdays. So they're already part of each other's community. So it's not like having to make... Because when I was a, a, a child and doing youth music, it was never... I mean, we did do some music at school, but if I was part of a group like um, a similar vein to what you're describing, it would never be with the people I went to school with. It would be sort of utterly other people who you'd have to build that whole community with again. Do you think that that has an impact on why Fosbrooks is so successful? I think it's had a great impact on it, the fact that we've got this community base. And I mean, people do come in from outside. Um, we drove to Chesterfield yesterday and I said to my husband, do you remember Julie bringing Hannah? Hannah James was in the Fosbrooks and uh, she was driven over from Chesterfield twice a week. Ruth Bibby was driven over from Warrington twice a week um, to come to rehearsals because, because the parents were enthusiastic about, mm. about what we do. But on the whole, the vast majority of children come through the school and do it because they've been to the school and, and know nothing else really and they're really surprised when they go into another school and they think everybody does the same they imagine that they all do folk music and uh, the kind of things that we do and I think yeah. this is just what's so key about it for me is that it's not it's the normality it's then it's the understood normality rather than being this thing that you only do if your parents are um so up for it that they want to drive you halfway around the country which a lot of people's parents do um where they don't have really good community music right there um i love the idea of music being this like it being unusual not to do it <laughs> well what a what a fantastic chat liza thanks so much for sharing your uh experience with it um with frostbrooks over these years and uh if it's all right we'll we'll uh probably in a i don't know sometime in the future we'd love to to come back and tell you about the things that we've tried to do um because i think we're gonna i think we're gonna try and use like every single thing that you said there <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds very good i, I mean i think i think it, tying things back up together um i'm a great believer in in sheer hard work i think um I'm the person that drives the sheer hard work at Banks Lane and within within the Fosbrooks. I'm not a great musician myself at all, but I'm a, I'm a person who makes things happen. So I bring in people like Karen Tweed and Pete Cooper and Amy Thatcher and... Uh, um, Kieran Schiffris. <laughs> <laughs> I can bring them in, but I still have to get what they've been working on back into the equation after they've gone and uh, get the grafting going. Amy used to talk about being in the Fosbrooks being, being like doing your national service. <laughs> she said it was like being in the army. I did my national service and taught, I was taught the things I needed to do. So. Do you know what? Wouldn't it be amazing if national service involved learning the culture of your country, Absolutely, dances, yes. f f music? Oh. Yeah. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> on that... What if notes? Um, 
we'll uh, we'll wind it up again. Yeah. From me, Kieran Schiffer's folk musician. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Liza. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Liza. It was such a pleasure to talk to you.